Hello, hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Told, Dr. Kyle Dumpert. Dr. Walter Aka, and we have the pleasure again of having Dr. Richard Harris come back on. Uh, we got some good, good feedback uh, from the last time you were on that episode. My wife is obsessed with your podcast, not mine, but yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she actually listens to more of your podcast than she does with mine. And actually, it's funny. I started recommending your podcast to a lot of my patients, you know, uh, especially the ones uh, who have different you know, uh, autoimmune issues and different health issues. You know, I've actually, you, you, you've changed my mind a lot, man. I'll be honest mm. with you, uh, to basically tell patients, listen, it's not just a mouth, right? A lot of dentists don't really con- do the connection. We just focus on mm-hmm. the, oh, mm-hmm. the oral path, oral mouth, uh, oral cavity, but that connection for the rest of the body is what I've started doing. So your podcast has been something I'm hoping that you guys have all of a sudden seen a lot of feedback uh, and, and a lot of listens and views because your podcast has been incredible and I mean I send everybody to you to your uh, uh, podcast because it's so I mean it's full of a lot of a lot I, of I want to echo what Walter's saying because I've been binging on it also and I'm yeah. loving everything you're putting out and right. yeah it's uh, excited to have so, you on again yeah and no, so, thank you guys no not at all man and so today we just want you to just help dentists be better right uh, Kyle is on some whole new other lifestyle right now I don't even recognize the man anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, so he's going to go through a bunch of the stuff that he's doing and, and what he's taking. And, and then you're going to let us know, like, what's beneficial, what's not, like, what we as dentists can do to basically live a better life, man, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because we have a lot of stress in our life. The main, the main killer of dentists, I swear, in life, I mean, just a lot of people is stress. Stress Absolutely. has a lot of different factors that kind of just cause I mean, just everything, weight gain, heart issues, you know, uh, poor habits, sleeping issues. So I want us to kind of break that down as well. But we'll start with Kyle and all his issues that he has. Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, uh, Walter and I were talking before we, we came on, before you came on, and I was just telling him about a, a coffee that I make. Um, I mix in some red reishi mushroom powder. Uh, there's a... A company called Laird Superfood that they have a performance mushroom package with uh, lion's mane, chaga, um, cordyceps, and one other, myotaki. Um, I mix in some ashwagandha powder, some turmeric creamer, uh, yacone syrup for some um, a little bit of sweetness. And uh, what else do I have in there? Uh, chocolate this protein, just, the collagen this protein. Coffee. This is, this is just my coffee. Yeah. So, uh, you, in your podcast, you talk about different supplements that help and, uh, wanted to get your opinion on or help to change Walter's opinion on some of the powders that I'm taking. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so my supplement routine contains basically everything you're taking. Oh, and <laughs> I just do it in different forms, right? So I get in the collagen through bone broth. I make my own home bone broth. I use chicken bones or rib bones or whatever we have at home. And I use that as a way to break my fast. And that has collagen. It has beneficial amino acids like glutamine. It's great for your gut. It also has a bunch of vitamins and minerals. And bone broth is really good for the immune system. It's really good for your gut. And so that's how I get my collagen in. And turmeric, I absolutely take turmeric. I don't take it daily, 
Turmeric is interesting. So turmeric, we think of it as being an antioxidant, right? But it's actually a pro-oxidant. It causes a little bit of oxidative stress, and that causes your body to upregulate its own natural antioxidant systems. And so for people who are generally healthy, you can take turmeric every day. But people who have autoimmune disease or a lot of disease, you kind of want to level off after about 12 months or so. And that's how I actually take my turmeric. I don't take it every day. So what I do is I have a pro-oxidant day, which is a, a supplement routine arriving around causing a little bit of stress. And I have an antioxidant day. And so I varied it up. I actually don't take the same supplements every single day. Uh, we can get into that more in a minute. But I do the layered extract as well. I do it in my pre-workout shake. And that's because Chinese medicine can't be wrong. You know, billions of people have done this over the years and they've used mushrooms as a center of their therapy. And if you look at it, these therapeutic mushrooms help just balance our overall system. There's information about mushrooms being uh, stress helping us deal with stress. There's information about helping them be anti-neoplastic or against cancer cells being helping our our metabolism where it reduces insulin resistance. There's information regarding the immune system and how it helps regulate our immune system. So I'm a big believer in the therapy of mushrooms and I hate eating mushrooms. So that's how I just take it with my shake. And then the ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is one of my favorites. I actually take ashwagandha at night. It is in our male and female hormone supplement. I have a company called Alpha Therapeutics. We have a male and female hormone balancing product for females. It's for uh, pre and postmenopausal. For men, anyone above the age of 30 can start to benefit from it. And one of the key ingredients is ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an herb that we call an adaptogen. It helps your body deal with stress, make sure that the stress response is appropriate. And it's kind of crazy because if I don't take that supplement, within a couple of days, I start to feel dramatically different. I start to feel more stressed out. I start to physically feel the impact of stress because, you know, your doctors, it's a stressful job. And then being an entrepreneur on top of that, that's stressful. Running a podcast, people think it's easy to just get on here and talk. No, (laughs) having a podcast is very stressful, (laughs) right? It is not an easy endeavor. It is a labor of love. And so you combine all these things together. And I absolutely love ashwagandha. Now, I generally will tell people that If you just start taking a whole bunch of supplements, you're not maximizing your value. I always tell people do testing because there's a lot of testing that we can do in the functional medicine space that looks at your metabolism, that looks at your genetics, and we can custom make a supplement regimen for you based upon your metabolism and based upon your genetics. And that's what I did for myself. And I know I'm on all the right things because I did the testing. And it was well worth it. I've seen a dramatic improvement in my life. I get told all the time I look like I'm in my late 20s. I'm 38. Yeah. And yeah. I have actually feel younger now than I did when I was 18. I feel better now than when I was 18 because of that targeted supplementation approach, correcting some deficiencies in my lifestyle and 
it was kind of funny because of genetics. I have a bulletproof lifestyle, right? I eat a variety of foods and it's intentional, the foods I eat for the nutrients. And I was doing my testing and I had nutrient deficiencies. And I did my genetics and I said, oh, this is why I have nutrient deficiencies because I need some support in these areas because of my genes. And so once I did that for myself, did it for my wife and I do it for a lot of my clients, it's made a big difference. So I'm a huge believer in supplementation. I prefer targeted supplementation, but things like ashwagandha for stress and turmeric and collagen, these types of things, many people can benefit from. And so what if somebody can't come to someone like yourself? Like they can't come to you, period, right? Um, and they're somewhere else. Like where would they go to find information on, you know, physicians that would be able to do their testing for them? Yeah, you can look at functional medicine providers or integrated medicine providers. We all use a lot of the same tests. Um, IFM, the group, has a website where you can look for providers who have gone through their programs. But there are functional medicine doctors in every major city, even out in the suburbs as well. It's just that people just don't know that they're there. And these are people who can do the testing to custom make a supplement regimen for you, your lifestyle, what you have going on. And if you have a chronic illness and you're looking for a way to treat that more naturally, that's also something that you can do. And I mean, a lot of our, some of our listeners, I should say, are uh, international. And we were very surprised to find that out. But, uh, you know, uh, how do we get our international listeners to kind of also, you know, uh, find or be associated with doctors that could also do the same for them? Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. I know that there's a lot of these providers will come over here, train and then go back. Okay. And there are other integrative lab tests that are in Europe as well. So. This type of medicine you can find elsewhere. And I even know some people that have the financial means, they'll travel here to the U.S. to see a functional medicine provider, get the testing done, and then travel back. We see that a lot here in Houston, actually, because, you know, we're a very international city. Right. And I'll talk to other providers, and they have people that fly over from Egypt or mm-hmm. fly over from Dubai or fly over from Russia just to get their testing done here, and then they go back. What are some of the biggest things uh, with patients that you see that are in high stress jobs or in the medical field? Are there any recurring themes that you see with those patients as far as, um, like you mentioned, stress, uh, among other things? I know doctors that are are patients of mine. And even when we were in the dental school right across uh, the street from medical, um, a lot of the doctors coming in seem to be take uh, worse care of themselves than, you know, general population. Do you, are there any themes that you see with those type of patients that you treat? Yeah, there are some things. Number one is you see a lot of people have sleeping issues. You see a lot of people have stress eating or binge eating issues. You see a lot of people who have more central body fat and hormone abnormalities because of high stress. You can see things like higher blood pressure, higher pulse rate, decreased heart rate variability. Luckily, a lot of the trackers now look at that. They look at heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is a measure of the variability of your heart rate. I love it when things in medicine are appropriately named. It makes it easy (laughs) for us to explain to people because that doesn't always happen. But heart rate variability is something that is really intriguing because it's looking at 
the balance between the two halves of your nervous system, the sympathetic fight or flight and the parasympathetic, the rest and digest version. And so most people think a heartbeat is like a metronome. It's stable, right? It, it, the interval between each beat is the same, but it's not. It'll vary depending on which system is more dominant. So the heart rate variability is just that. It's a measure of what is the variability in between these beats. And you want a higher variability because if you have a lower one, it means that one system is more dominant than the other and the body's not able to adjust. And so you'll see people who are chronically stressed have a low heart rate variability because the, para the sympathetic nervous system is dominant, is constantly getting surges of cortisol and norepinephrine and adrenaline and all of these things. So that's something that you can see as well. Now, when people come to me with stress, I think we do a poor job of delineating that there's two aspects to stress. There's the mental aspect, and that's I feel stressed, I feel overwhelmed. That's like those feelings of anguish, feeling boxed in, right? But there's also the physical component of stress, and that's the release of these stress hormones. And so a lot of people don't know that stress is actually a root cause of disease. Like If you are chronically stressed, actually lifetime chronic stress is one of the biggest predictors of developing a chronic disease because of all the maladaptive things that happen with stress. If you look at someone's epigenetics, their biological age, chronic stress ages you at the biological level. This is well documented. And so we have to address both aspects of stress. You have to address the mental component and the physical component. And how do you address the mental component? That is the growth mindset. It's how you look at things. It's how you view your world. Is that a problem or is it an opportunity? Hmm. All anxiety and stress stems from, if you look at it and break it down to its simplest component, it stems from us trying to control things that we have no control over. We That's try to exert <laughs> physical presence yeah. on something that we cannot control. Mm -hmm. We can't control most of what happens to us in a day. I mean, yes. think about it. What can you really control in your day going about a normal day? How much of it do you actually control? Well, I can control if I walk over here or if I drive in my car or what mm -hmm. I eat. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much about it, right? Most of what happens to us on a given day is not in our control, yes. but we can always control our response. So once you take hold of that and say, you know what? I can't control what happens to me, but I can control what I do about it. I can control how I feel about it. I can control the thoughts that come in my head and look at this challenge, not as a problem, but as an opportunity to learn or an opportunity to grow. Or, if, you know, I quote unquote fail. It's not a failure because I learned something and I said, okay, now I can adjust my trajectory and try it again. And then the physical component to stress is you have to do things to regulate those stress hormones. And the easiest, fastest, quickest thing to do is have a mindfulness practice and a gratitude practice. Gratitude dramatically rewires your brain. In fact, it's so powerful that one of the first things I get people to do to buy into a healthy lifestyle is a routine gratitude practice or a gratitude journal. Just say three things every morning you're grateful for or write three things down in a journal every morning that you're grateful for. And watch as that dramatically shifts your perspective. And then meditate. Or some other form of mindfulness. It could be a walk in the park. It could be listening to classical music. 
It could be yoga. It could be Tai Chi. It could be prayer. It could be breathing exercises. I like breathing exercises in this way because it actually rewires your nervous system. When you breathe through your nose, you activate your parasympathetic system. When you breathe through your mouth, you activate your sympathetic system. Breathing exercises actually change the structure and function of your brain. It changes the way the nervous system works. In fact, you can see that people will lower their blood pressure through breathing, lower their heart rate through breathing, lower their blood sugars through breathing. And this is something that we can all do that's simple, costs you nothing, has no side effects, and a ton of benefit. And that's how I begin to approach stress is you have to work at the at the physical level and the mental level together to really conquer stress. When, when okay. you say mindfulness, you listed off a, a bunch of different practices, anywhere from you know listening to classical music to different breathing exercises. Can you go a little bit broader and define what is mindfulness and what the goal of it is? Yeah, so we as humans tend to be very future oriented and that's driven by dopamine. Dopamine, we tend to think of as the reward chemical, but it's not actually so much reward as it is motivation. Dopamine makes you want things you don't have, which is good. It keeps you driven, keeps you motivated. But if you're always stuck in that future, future, future thinking, you miss out on the here and now. And that's a different set of brain chemicals. That's our serotonin, our, our, our endocannabinoids, our oxytocin, vasopressin. Those are the here and now chemicals. And so you have to be present in the here and now to get activation of those chemicals and have that feeling of calm. And that's what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is literally just being present in the here and now. Not worrying about the future, not thinking about the past. You're literally just saying, what is going on with me right now? That's why just taking a walk in the park, taking in the noise, the, the, the sound, the light, the smells, how the sun feels hitting your body. That's mindfulness. And these practices have dramatic impacts in the body through all different types of systems. But I always tell people that we, we need to sometimes get out of our own heads and just be calm and present in whatever is going on right now and taking advantage of these small little moments that we have that can be so impactful and so powerful. You know, I think the hardest thing to do, and you said this, right, was we're not in control of a lot of our situations, day-to-day -day situation, right? If you have kids, you're really not in control, right? Uh, if you're married, you're not in control. If you're a guy, you know this for sure. You're not in control of anything that happens in this world, you know. Uh, so, so you know, the gratitude thing I think is very difficult for a lot of people because as doctors, we're very type A, like we are very, um, uh, uh, you know, forward-driven, right? Oh, I want to do this. I need to accomplish this. That's all we've been taught, like, since we were kids is you want to be a doctor. You know, oh, what do you want to be? You want to be a doctor. Okay, after a doctor, oh, I want to have my practice. Everything is forward-thinking. So how do we begin the simplistic avenue of just kind of saying let's stay in the now how do we like you know do you have any apps do you have any uh programs that you have that recommend that could help us because we need a lot of help as doctors because we're so forward thinkers we're very much forward thinkers if you're an entrepreneur you're a forward thinker you have to be because you have to try to solve problems before problems arrive 
Yeah, that's completely true. You know, I was at an entrepreneur lunch on Monday and it said one of the things that, you know, we do as entrepreneurs is whenever we enter something, we start working on our exit immediately. <laughs> yep. yep. Right. You have yep. both in mind. As soon as you enter something, I have my exit plan already yeah. done. And if you're an investor, the same thing. Mm -hmm. You have same to have thing. your exit, right? Yeah. Right. Right. You got to know when to pull the ripcord, right? Yeah. If it's not going well, you got to pivot. And right. so it's the same thing here. You know, I completely get it. I'm a pharmacist. I'm an MD. I have an MBA. I've been through more schooling than probably 99.999% of people on the planet. Right. And I am very ambitious. I have a lot of goals. But I realized that staying in the future was hurting me in the present because I was not satisfied with my life. And I started looking back and said, wait a minute, I've done a lot of really amazing things. I've gotten to travel all over the world. I have really cool friends. I have experiences that people only dream of. I mean, I've gone to Maxim parties and my wife got kissed by Enrique Iglesias at a party because we were right there at, you know, front and center because of the friends I have who owns a production company. He knows all these guys on a first name basis. I've gotten to do a lot of really cool stuff and then helping people. One of my friends asked me, how many people have you saved? And I said, I don't even know. Thousands, right? hundreds of thousands. I, I don't know how many. And now having the podcast, I can't even tell how many lives I've impacted. Right. Because you know, that someone might learn something and tell somebody else. And so there's a lot of really cool things that I've done and things I have to be grateful for. And that's when I took a step back and said that I need to spend more time enjoying the present and I need to spend more time just relaxing. And this is something I put in because I was doing seven days a week, 16 hour days. I was working every single day. And it just got to the point where I had no more joy and I love to work. I love what I'm doing. And then I started to just take Sundays off, no work. And all that joy came back. And now I can step back and be present with my family. And I put boundaries in that I don't do any work after 7 p.m. That's a hard cutoff time. And after 7 p.m., it's family time. We eat dinner. Me and my wife love anime. We watch anime. We play with our dog. Nice. You know, that I had that time, but I had to set these boundaries and I had to prioritize being there in the here and now. And that's made me better at thinking about the future because it's kept what's important to me right in front of me. So um, before we continue, I, I have to kind of talk. What, what, what anime are you watching right now? Very important. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually watching Hunter x Hunter. So what mm. anime are you watching right now? So we can Hunter x Hunter is great. Uh, yeah. We're watching Seven Deadly Sins yep, great uh, together. And then I'm watching Tokyo Ghoul on my own. Okay. Okay. I would recommend uh, uh, Darwin's Game. That's a really good one on Netflix. Mm, uh, check just, that out. Yeah, check that out. But anyway, back to uh, our podcast. We gotta be <laughs> serious about this. Uh, <laughs> let's like, I guess, apologize for having you working on a sad on a Sunday. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's usually when we we podcast. So thank you for taking uh, and kind of breaking your rule a little bit for us. You know, um, but you know, let's let's talk about let's talk about weight gain. You know, uh, as we get older, that seems to be the thing that comes. And I put this in quotations naturally, right? We have a hard time controlling our weight gain. You know, I'm 39. I gained 
I've gained what, like 10 to 15 pounds, especially COVID time. That didn't help. And I always blame everything else but myself, which I, I started accepting the truth that it's me. You know, Kyle, I have to admit it is me. You know? <laughs> so, so, so can you tell us like what has probably led to our gain, our wing, uh, weight gain and what we can do? And again, simplicity, right? Let's start basic. What we can do to try to get back on, on the path and, and get our metabolism. We always talk about, oh, the older you get, the slower your metabolism you get. I just feel like looking at someone like yourself and looking at other people, that doesn't, doesn't have to be our, 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 our truth. And, and, yeah, and is, we're kind of set up for failure with how the supermarkets are set up and where our food supply is coming from. And uh, yeah, it, it's really stacked against us right now. Yeah, this is, I was smiling because this is actually interesting. A study came out this week that turns on its head everything we thought about metabolism and getting older. So what happens with metabolism is when we're born, it stays about the same as what your mom's is. And then for the first year, it rapidly increases. And then from about age one to 20, it decreases um, by a couple percentage points every year. And then from 20 to 60, it stabilizes. And then after 60, it goes down 0.7% a year. So the whole, you get older, your metabolism slows down. Nope. It's us. It's our habits. You know what happens? Why your metabolism may slow down as you get older is because you don't have as much muscle mass. Once you hit 30, you can lose somewhere between 1% to 5% of your muscle mass per year if you're not using it. And that drives a lot of our energy demand. Uh, my muscle has so much mitochondria, what actually generates energy. And I tell people this all the time. If you're not moving, your body gets really inefficient at generating energy. It does because it'll slow down. Your body will adjust to its energy demands. And if you're not creating situations for your body to generate energy and you're eating stored calorie or you're eating store calories, not stored calories, right? Your body is going to get really good at burning that Whataburger that you eat and not the own body fat that you have. And we live in a hyper caloric world. There's calories everywhere. The average person eats, well, it was about 500 calories more a day than they need. Most people will gain about a pound and a half a year. That got turned on its head in COVID. People gained a pound and a half a month, wow. a year's worth of weight gain in a month. And a lot of it was stress. What happens when you get stressed? You stress eat. Stress deregulates our normal appetite pathways. Ghrelin, growling is what we used to call it. You know, that makes us hungry. Leptin is what lets us know that we're full. And you can get leptin resistance if you are hypercaloric, meaning that the body stops listening to that leptin signal. And this is how you'll eat when you're not hungry. Now, there are some things that you can quickly do to turn this around. One of my favorite things is time-restricted eating, or some people call it intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Shorten your eating window. And that will help regulate those appetite hormones. It will also make it so you're going to be getting less calories in in a day. One of the things that I've told people to do, if they say, oh, you know, I'm still eating healthy and I'm not losing anything, then I say, okay, count your calories. Because what what isn't measured doesn't get done. What I tell people, it's like, okay, if you want to be a millionaire and you never look at your bank account, you'll never be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. If you want to lose body fat, 
measure your body fat, measure what's contributing to that body fat, caloric intake. You know, we track our expenses. If we're on a budget, we track what's coming in, what's coming out and we adjust. It's the same thing with this. People just think their bodies are just going to magically unicorn weight's going to fall off and they're not doing the things that they need to, to ensure that happens. And so that's something if you actually want to lose, you, you should track your calories. You should at least for like a week, just so you have a ballpark of what you're doing in there. For people who don't want to do that, I say, okay, well, just eat 10% less off your plate for every meal until you start noticing that the clothes are a little bit looser. And then you can stay, stay there and then adjust as necessary. So those are some simple tips, but I would start with time-restricted eating or the intermittent fasting. It is a powerful tool for caloric restriction, for reorienting your appetite hormones, but also teaching people to have willpower. Willpower is a muscle. And it's funny because people are always like, well, Richard, I don't have the willpower that you do. And I say, okay, do you think I had this willpower when I was a baby? You ever seen a baby with willpower? No. None of us start off with willpower, but some of us train ourselves to have it. And this goes into something. I should have said this first, but whenever I work with people, people automatically want to start with action. That's the wrong place to start. You want to do two things first. Number one, you want to get crystal clear on your values. I want to lose weight. Well, if that's all you say, it won't happen. You need to be crystal clear on why do you want to lose weight? Well, I want to lose weight because I want to run a marathon. Okay, that's a crystal clear why. Now, whenever you make a decision, run it through that why. Is this decision going to get me closer or further away from this goal? And if it's getting you further away, then why are you doing it? I've literally had people go to the grocery store, pick stuff up and say, is this getting me closer to my goal or further away? And if it was further away, they put it down. After a while, that becomes ingrained. It becomes habit. And then the second thing you need to do is form a new identity and form an identity around that why. I am someone who works out because I want to be able to run a marathon. I am someone who eats healthy because I want to be able to run a marathon. I am someone who meditates because I don't want to blow up at my my wife. I want to be calm. I want to be a good central figure for the family, something, whatever your why is. But then you... You run everything by that why and you form a new identity around it. And that's how you be successful. The thing I see people do is they say, well, I can't do what somebody else did. None of us are that special. You know, there's 7 billion of us. If you think you're special, you're not. <laughs> there is literally, except except for like extreme things, you know, out there, there's yeah. literally nothing that you can't do that someone else has done. Yeah. Right. But it, the difference between those who do and those who don't is those who do believe they can and say to themselves, hey, that person over there who has what I want, they're no different than me. I can do that. And then they form their, their values, their identity, and then they succeed. Do you think there's a uh, – I watched a, an interview with Elon Musk. Um, the guy is a workaholic, works all the time, and the reporter was asking him, you know, the impact it has on his life. And he said, nobody should work this much. Uh, when we all, we all have goals of things we want to achieve in life. Do you think there is uh, a way to get that balance between health and meeting those goals? Or are some goals to the point where 
as one of the richest men in the world, can you do that in a healthy way? Or uh, is that that balance that you have to figure out to be able to sacrifice, you know, I want to meet this goal, but I can't do it healthily. So I might have to adjust my goal a little bit. So here's the interesting thing. I did actually did just did a podcast on opportunity cost, the opportunity cost of eating healthy and the opportunity cost of exercise. If you want to create more time to achieve your goals and you're not exercising, you are losing out on a 22% productivity gain. Mm massive productivity gain. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why a lot of the most successful CEOs exercise. There's a reason why they prioritize themselves because if you are in business for yourself or even if you're working for someone else, what is your best asset? You, your brain, your brain power. Your brain is 2% of your body yet demands 20% of the blood flow because it requires a ton of energy. If you aren't prioritizing your health, well, your brain's not going to work right. The most common causes of brain fog are stress and improper nutrition. The brain literally cannot metabolize like it should to generate energy like it should. And that makes you sluggish. That makes you forgetful. That makes you not as productive. So in this regard, if you want to go and hit your goals, invest in yourself. What do we say as entrepreneurs? Pay yourself first. Right. It's the same thing for your health. Now, what happens if you get sick? Everything stops. Everything stops. Everything grinds to a halt. And depending on your condition beforehand, and this is something that that I tell people all the time, you know, they're like, "Well, healthy people get cancer." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. They do." But what would have happened to them if they were unhealthy when they got cancer? Hmm. And then you see people kind of like, "Oh my God, I never thought about that." The greatest determinant of your health, if something, God forbid, happens to you, is how healthy you were beforehand. That's resilience. Your body is wonderful at healing itself if you can put it in the right situation. So that's what I tell to people who say, oh, I don't have time to be healthy. I'm like, how do you, you literally create more time by being healthy. You exercise, that creates about five years of health span. That's more time. You make you 22% more productive. What take you six hours to do or eight hours to do now takes you five and a half, five point seven hours to do. And you start to add this up over years, that saves you a lot of time. And then if you look at absenteeism and presenteeism and people who are at work, but they're not doing anything and people who miss work, being healthy actually reduces all of this. And it's one of the things I tell people, they're like, look, how, Richard, how do you have time to do everything that you're doing? How are you able to do that? I'm like, because I invest in myself first. I realize that I am my best asset and I put in the time and I have the habits and the routine that optimizes my brain function to do all of this. And I am really efficient at getting stuff done because of that. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I, I always refer people to the one book that I really enjoyed, the four hour work week. Uh, I, I find I found after reading that I I found myself realizing how do I maximize my time and not have so much like time where we waste we waste a lot of time as people mm-hmm. we waste a lot of time you know sending out you know setting up meetings when we it could have been done in an email I think it was like the biggest uh, thing that he talked about in his book uh, but can you tell us uh, one thing that I've always talked about like when we were in undergrad or when we were younger we would work out for like two three hours right 
uh, and and I remember one of your podcasts. So I don't want to ruin this, and you're going to repeat this. But you know, you said that you don't necessarily have to work out that much to get the benefits of working out. And so I want I want you to kind of break that down. You know, like where people are like, oh, I, I was at the gym for two hours. Is that necessary? Like, what are some of the myths of working out that people just have just gotten wrong as time has gone along? Yeah, I think the two biggest myths are number one, and this is especially for the ladies out there. Don't judge me. Cardio that. Oh, I need to do cardio. <laughs> Listen, if you like doing cardio, do cardio. If your objective is to be healthy, strength training gets you as much cardiovascular benefit as cardio. And if you don't believe me, Google it. There's clinical papers on this. You don't need as much cardio unless you're doing it for a specific thing. Like if you are training to be, you know, MS-150 or something like that, of course, you're going to need to do cardio to train for that. But if your goal is just being healthy, we way overemphasize the importance of cardio, especially women. They're like, oh, I don't want to get bulky. You don't have the hormone profile of a man. You're not going to get bulky. Those Russian bodybuilders who that image came from, they were using testosterone and other hormones to look like that. It's just not going to happen. Most of the women who have the body type that most girls say they want, they do a lot of strength training and very little cardio. So I think that's one thing is that we overemphasize the importance of cardio. We underemphasize the importance of strength training. Two days a week of strength training is all you need to reap the metabolic benefits of strength training. And it doesn't have to be for two hours. You know, again, if you're training to be and an Olympic athlete, then that's a full-time job. Then, yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time in the gym. But if it's just to be healthy, if it's just to be healthy, you really don't need to spend more than 30 minutes in the gym. If, if it's just trying to optimize your health. Now, I spend about 45 because I love the gym. It's fun for me. I like the art of transforming my body. But if I didn't like it, I would be in there for about 30 minutes, three times a week, and that was it. That was it. And so it doesn't take that much, even if it's just at home with body weight or resistance bands or kettlebells or little weights. It doesn't matter. It, 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 you just have to do a little bit of resistance training, not a whole lot, just a little bit to get the benefits. And this is men, women. It doesn't matter. Everybody needs resistance training to be healthy. And this goes into a lot of times people say, oh, I'm healthy. And I'm like, how do you know you're healthy? Are you working out? No, I don't work out. Well, if you don't work out, you're not healthy. How are you moderating your stress? Well, I don't moderate my stress. You're not healthy. Mm. How are you sleeping? Are you sleeping seven to nine hours? No, I get six. You're not healthy. Mm. Health is a mm. collection of numerous behaviors and mindset and thinking patterns. And the keys to it are nutrition and exercise. Those are the two most important aspects. And everything will kind of flow downhill from those things. My goodness, I'm t I I, I kind of want to charge for this episode. I mean, you're giving away gems <laughs> left and right. You know, no, I'm serious, right, Kyle? Like, yeah, I feel absolutely, like you, absolutely. You summarize literally. Well, I'm going to say 50 percent of your podcast, and people need to listen to the other 50 to get that depth. I mean, this is just skimming the surface here. Truthfully, yep. you know, you've skimmed the surface of what your podcast goes in depth with. You know, uh, so I guess we'll just. I want to wrap it up unless Kyle has something else that he wants to talk about. I want to wrap it up with just kind of, you know, you giving us how to get people can get a hold of you, your podcast, all that stuff. But before we do that, Kyle, do you have anything else to talk about? Um, how to help our brothers and sisters in dentistry to get smarter and healthier. 
you know, I, I think the biggest things you mentioned already was, uh, you know, being giving us the resources to find um, the right doctors, the right coaches to kind of help us on this journey because we can't do it ourselves. Uh, and like you mentioned, and what I'm doing is I, I pick some supplements and I take them on my own, but I haven't done any of the testing to see what I need when I need it. Uh, so that information that you mentioned, the website, I, I, um, but what was the website? IFM or yeah, the, yeah, the Institute for Functional Medicine, they'll okay. have a list of their providers around town. There's also the Association of Lifestyle Medicine. So they'll uh, have people who are certified in lifestyle medicine. To me, that's the most important aspect of medicine. How you interact with your environment is the most important thing. And lifestyle medicine docs will do and work with you with all the things that we talked about today. And a very underutilized resource is health coaching. Health coaching will help you achieve your goals through that mindset coaching, through helping you get clear on your values, your why. And it is a dramatically powerful thing. And health coaches are popping up all over the place. Okay. Yeah, that I, I think that's the biggest thing because we're not going to be able to cover on our podcast, maybe on yours, but uh, on our podcast on how everybody can really take care of themselves. So uh, I encourage everybody to look into that, those resources that Dr. Harris mentioned, and please tell us about how they can get a hold of you, where your practice is, um, and your uh, website. Your website, everything. Right, please. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is, Stry or my podcast is the Strive for Great Health podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. My website is thegh.wellness.com and it has a whole host of resources on there. I even have a five-week lifestyle medicine course. I'm not going to break the bank. It's 200 bucks. It's five weeks. teaches you everything I know about lifestyle medicine and I update it for free. So if I learn something new, it gets in the course. Once you're enrolled, you're enrolled for life. I really just want people to know and have access to the power of lifestyle medicine. And then I have a ton of free resources in the podcast and my YouTube channel. But all that you can find from my website. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much uh, for, for coming on and just kind of educating. I feel like, you know, we do a lot of stuff with dentistry. You know, we're always trying to help dentists understand um, what's beneficial in dentistry, what's going on in dentistry. But let's be honest, you won't be here if your health isn't good. I don't right. care how much we talk about all the toys and everything in dentistry. You're not going to be here and, and, and actually reap the rewards of your hard work if your health is not good. And that's why I was so blessed to see you and connect with you and have you on the podcast twice now. And if people don't listen to these podcasts and go onto your podcast and listen, then they're, they, they don't deserve good health. I, I'll say it. <laughs> they don't they don't deserve it because they're not going out to get it they're not reaching out to get it you spend thousands of dollars in medicine and and, and on your dental degree but you don't want to spend two hundred dollars on your overall health that doesn't make any sense you know i mean this is the one time that kyle and i can honestly say this education is worth it most of the time we talk about how education is a ripoff with with dentistry <laughs> this time we truly believe this education is worth it you know it's 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 simple guys we spend so much we waste a lot of money like, let's actually start spending money on stuff that benefits us so we can be here to enjoy the toys and everything that we've worked hard for. Invest in yourself. Take care of yourself so you can continue to take care of your patients, your family, your friends, and be around for a long time. That's it.
Dr. Harris, we'll leave you the last word and then we're out of here. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, you're welcome. I always tell people that you are worth it. Always, always, always. And it's not selfish to prioritize your health or prioritize yourself. You know, we are too people pleasing a lot of times and that can lead us down a path where we end up hurting ourselves. Put yourself first, put your health first, and then you can really truly be able to help those who are in your life. That's it. That's it. All right. Thank you Thank so you much guys. for joining us. I appreciate Thank you. Guys. Guys. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.